You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Padres podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day for Tuesday, April 19th. As always, I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might find some of my baseball-related work at places like JustBaseball.com, where I am a staff writer, and many other places. And you can also follow me on Twitter, at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. I am pointing to it right now, because I'm doing all sorts of antics on the YouTube channel, which you can also check out, Locked on Padres. Let's get those subscriber numbers up. And at LO underscore Padres, for the show's account, where I often like to live-tweet the games. Of course, I don't know if you knew this by now, but you're listening, of course, to the Lockdown Bodies Podcast. All right, guys, thank you for making it your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. In today's episode, we're recapping some juiciness. Not the most thrilling game in the world, but I think a fun game to talk about. The Padres opened their series against the Cincinnati Reds with a 4-1 victory, led by Sean Maniah. Going to be talking about him for a little bit for sure. Uh, Padres starting pitching yet again. Coming through, yet again. Even the bad Nick Martinez start wasn't all that bad in the context of it. It was just bad by Padres standards that we've been used to early going. Going to be talking about that, some other moments from the game, including the Manny Machado home run, and then talking a little bit about C.J. Abrams. But, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get into it, guys. First, let's talk about Sean Manaya. In this game, he goes six innings, six innings, allowing six hits but only one earned run, walking two and striking out six. His ERA on the season is 1.42 which is, of course, phenomenal. I love that. You love to see it, ladies and gentlemen. You absolutely love to see it. His whip is also sitting at a 0.79. Now, let's be clear. These numbers are obviously going to go up, and I think that this was an evidence, a stat, I'm sorry, a start that kind of showed that, yes, at some point, Shamanai is going to give up a bunch of runs. His hard contact stuff is still there. He's still giving up some pretty hard contact. And this Reds lineup, while nothing incredible necessarily, I know they have Joey Votto, But granted, Joey Votto could be past his prime a little bit at this point, even if he was really good last year. And then you've got some other players on this team. Unfortunately, you had Tommy Pham, who we'll talk about in just one second. But yeah, Shamanai is probably due for at some point, based on what I've been seeing, for a team to to hit him at least pretty decently. But in terms of just this lone start, uh, very good. A lot of whiffs on his sinker. I told you guys before that I love that the Padres have a sinker kind of pitcher to mix up from some of the sliders and stuff that we're used to seeing from them. I just like that. I like the idea of the Padres having, you know, in theory, right? You have just Darvish doing everything, right? And then you have Blake Snell coming in if he's healthy. He throws the fastball slider combination. That is really devastating. You have Musgrove with his curveball cutter slider and everything. And then you have a guy throwing sinkers, right? I just like the the idea of that uh, on face value. I like the idea of being able to look at um, the Padres starting pitching and just not knowing exactly what to get every time. You know, it's just more a very complete rotation. But uh, yeah, anyway, on the night, guys, let me just confirm the whiff percentages on Mr. Sean Manaya, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he had 15 whiffs in total, eight on his sinker, which is the pitch that he threw the most uh, of the time. Yes, he gave up some decently hard contact, especially on his curveball a couple times. 94.4 mile per hour average exit velocity. But for the most part, I thought he was pretty damn good. He is due because of that aforementioned hard contact for something to potentially go his way. 
or not go his way. We'll have to see, I think, his next scheduled start. It's not going to be against the Dodgers, but let's see here. Who the heck are we playing after this? We play the Dodgers. Yeah, against the Reds again. So we'll see. that This time it'll be in Cincinnati, which is a much more hitter-friendly ballpark. So if you're a gambling person or you have him in fantasy, just expect a little bit of a come down from Shamanaya. But either way, really, really great start from him. And I mentioned him before. The only real mistake that happens in this game from Shamanaya is at the beginning of the game against Tommy Pham. Oh my gosh. I mean, Tommy Pham, and let's be clear, because some people might look at this and be like, why did they let him go? And all these things. Tommy Pham was atrocious for the Padres last year. Let's be very, very clear. It is totally understandable why the Padres let go of Tommy Pham. And it's not like he'd been doing very well this year either. As of right now, he's still only batting 133 with a 257 on base. Last year, 229, 340, 383 splits uh, for his slash line. Not the worst in the world. That slugging percentage is really bad. Uh, but when you dig deeper... And you look at the fact that, yes, Pham was able to still continue his excellent eye at the plate, draw walks. He had one of the worst WRC plus marks in all of baseball with runners in scoring position last year for the Padres. Swinging through a lot of stuff. So, yes, he knew what not to swing at. One of the lowest outside zone swing percentages in all of baseball, especially among qualified outfielders. But when there was stuff that you should be hitting, swung through it every time, Tommy Pham. So, don't worry, guys. It's okay that the Padres got rid of him. I actually thought at one point during the offseason that it might make sense to to maybe re-sign him because he probably wasn't going to cost much since he had such a, a mech year that I would have been I actually wouldn't have minded that. I think that would have been fine uh in the grand scheme. But if clearly the Padres are saying Profar, Beatty, whatever, like we're just going to mix and match and throw things out there instead of investing in a left fielder. Are they a candidate for Michael Conforto? I don't know because Michael Conforto is like signing with nobody. I don't know what his camp is thinking to be waiting this long. I think that no one's going to sign him at this point, especially because I think there's draft pick compensation. But anyway, getting down too much of a tangent, Tommy Pham in this game getting three hits, including a double and a home run and a single. So we were a little scared that he might hit for the cycle against us. But that was the only run that the Padres gave up in this game. And I mentioned at the top, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing that I love about Manny Machado last night. On top of just being great, on top of, Almost becoming underrated, and I talked about this with my buddy Colby Olson uh, on the show a few weeks ago before the season started on whether or not Machado has actually become a little bit underrated. I mean, what I love is after this home run from Tommy Pham, just annoying the heck out of every Padres fan imaginable, right? May Machado comes up the next inning and hits a blast off of Nick Lodolo for a two-run home run. Just that bounce back, because we're all annoyed already. We're just like, you got to be kidding me, Tommy Pham. Of course he does this against us. But Manny Machado reminding everybody that he's still excellent. He's still hitting the ball super hard. He's still walking a good rate. He's not striking out all that much. There has been nothing I've seen to suggest that Manny Machado is not going to be excellent this year. And I don't think that that's really news to anyone listening to this podcast. I think that May Machado is probably the second best third baseman in all of baseball, probably the best one in the National League. He's incredible, and he's been playing good defense. And if you're wondering, oh, could he fall off? Nope. 29 years old, it's not going to happen. Still hitting the ball exceptionally hard, as you saw in this one. Absolutely crushed the ball. Um, just absolutely crushed it. Yes, it didn't go like high in the sky type of crush, which I think sometimes happens with Machado. He kind of like scoops it, especially since it wasn't the worst pitch in the world from Nick Lodolo, but it hung in the zone a little bit too much and Machado made him pay for it. Um, but before we talk about the rest of this game and some other observations, including one on the opposing pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds and what it might say about the Padres win last night, let me talk to you guys about betting. All right. 
I just said maybe bet on Shamanai having a little bit of a eh start next time at Cincinnati with a really hitter-friendly ballpark. All right. And you know what has you covered when it comes to betting, guys? BetOnline.net, your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, which have been, in my opinion, a little bit boring so far. But nonetheless, they got you covered. And, of course, the start of the Major League Baseball season. Go to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Let me just readjust my my glasses, everybody. Let's keep it rolling. Thank you again, as always, for making Locked on Pirates your hashtag first listen. Every day we are free and available on all platforms. Last night, another another takeaway, I think, was Nick Lodolo of the Cincinnati Reds. While his numbers don't look exceptional at the beginning, but this is a top-level sort of prospect for the Reds that's kind of debuting. Everyone's talking about Hunter Green right now, but I think what's interesting is that Lodolo has been viewed as a pretty high strikeout potential pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds and a top-level prospect that, granted, we're going to see as more new prospect lists come out how they rank him, but he had a, a pretty bad start. His first one against the Cleveland Guardians going seven innings, I'm sorry, four innings allowing seven hits leading to five earned runs. In this game, he allows three earned runs, but when you look at just the, the total body of work, it's still very early, and this is a good example of like why it's really hard to judge rookie pitchers making their debut. I thought Lodolo actually looked pretty sharp, and especially against the Padres lineup, which the Padres lineup isn't incredible, uh, in my opinion. I actually think it's probably even even might have a case for the fourth best lineup in the league if things don't if certain trends continue. I could see the Rockies somehow maybe being better than them. I think that McMahon and Chris Bryant, and maybe if Charlie Blackman randomly has a season, right? Like it's possible, it's possible that they do that. Even if Manny Machado is probably better than all of their players, still. It's possible, um, especially in the early going without Tatis. But I thought Nick Lodell looked great. And a tweet from uh, Mr. Colby Olson, who I mentioned before, was on the podcast, encouraging stats from Nick Lodolo's start. He had seven whiffs on his 14 swings against his changeup, 12 called strikes on 33 sinkers thrown, kept it definitely limited uh, in the zone and whatnot. And outside of Manny Machado's home run, he limited hard contact with an average exit velocity of 79.3 miles per hour. So you know how I mentioned that Sean Manaya gave up some pretty hard stuff, especially on his curveball, making me think, yes, he is due for giving up some runs, especially against a better team, maybe at a better hitter-friendly ballpark, like the Great American with Cincinnati Reds. Um, Nick Lodolo maybe got a little bit unlucky in this one. Look, Machado made him pay, as he does for a lot of people, right? But I think it is worth pointing out that maybe the Padres got a little bit fortunate in this game when you just look at the fact that a lot of the hard hits for the Cincinnati Reds lineup didn't necessarily land, and a lot of the the light hits from the San Diego Padres did hit. Uh, the only other run that they scored off of Lodola was from Hassan Kim hitting a single in this game. We'll talk about him in just a second, but um, and that's basically it. Then we got a sacrifice fly from Luke Voigt, who, by the way, has ever since I started talking about how exciting Luke Voigt's start was, the fact that he was taking a lot of walks. He had like two back-to-back three strikeout games in this game. Like I said, he had the the sacrifice fly, and he did draw a walk, but two strikeouts in this game as well. Luke Voigt on the season, um, kind of fine. He just has to pick up that batting average. We're waiting for the big power hits. But talking about Lodolo there is just to emphasize that the Padres, it really was a, a Manny Machado kind of giving them the win. And I forgot to mention uh, that Taylor Rogers has been very good for the Padres so far this year. He did walk one yesterday, but nonetheless, he has been great converting all the save opportunities so far. 
and just being super effective. And I think that the trade for him hopefully is going to pan out well. Hopefully Chris Paddock doesn't turn into, you know, another one of those Cal Contrals, right? Another a Matt Brash who's been blowing up on the scene lately and the Padres what did they trade him for? I forgot. A reliever that they only kept for like half a season or something like that. Yeah, it's it's AJ Preller. My, my eye is eye on I'm, I'm eyeballing you, man. You, you've, you've made some questionable trades. But that's basically the gist of last night's game, I think, uh, from my perspective. I think the Padres, yes, there might have been some luck in their favor. But bottom line is you take what you can get. You take what you can get. And another thing about Shamanai that I want to mention before we move on is that He's heading into a contract year, and I talked about this a lot, that it wouldn't surprise me if Sean Maniah is just awesome for, like, most of this year. Because he's clearly going to be motivated. He's entering, he's, he's 30 years old. He's going to have his free agent um, kind of, you know, season. He's going to be a free agent this offseason, especially for teams that might be looking for uh, starting pitching talent uh, come this offseason, depending on how things pan out. I'm going to be monitoring this, and I've said before, if the Padres are falling off and what have you, it would not surprise me. It really wouldn't. If they are absolutely terrible at the deadline, and they, and in my opinion, I think all of their pitchers are going to be awesome. If they, for some reason, are like, all right, we have already a high salary, and we want to say keep Joe Musgrove, I could see a situation in which Shamanaya gets dealt, and they try and hit a reset. Maybe Mike Clevenger, if he comes back, it's just a thing to keep an eye on. Padres fans, I'm not saying they're going to be bad, and that they won't go for it, but just keep an eye on it. AJ Preller has wheeled and dealed before. So why not wheel and deal in the reverse and maybe kind of try to hit a little bit of a reset if, say, offense stinks. They're, they're, they're six games below 500, and the Giants are awesome, and they have been really awesome to start the year, by the way. Uh, probably probably a better pitching staff than the Padres, even though I predicted the Padres would be a little bit better. Um, say they're doing awful there, and that Tatis is taking longer to come back. Not an impossible scenario. For tonight's game, it is going to be Reaver San Martin. Hopefully I'm saying that name correct for the Cincinnati Reds. Unfamiliar with him. Don't really have any intel on him. Versus Joe Musgrove. I'm expecting an excellent start out of Musgrove. Has looked basically just, I mean, he's just looked the exact same as last year. Not necessarily better, but certainly not even the tiniest bit worse. He's been excellent. I believe, has he walked a batter? Hold on, let me check this really quickly. Yeah, he has not walked a batter in his two starts. Instead, he struck out eight and six in his both starts, respectively. Um, so very exciting on that point. I love this Padres rotation. Yes, going to be a little bit annoying that we head into this Dodgers series with not our ace toward of top of the lineup guys. But nonetheless, take what you can get. You got to win the games you're supposed to win. Now let's talk about Hassan Kim. All right? Because Hassan Kim rules, ladies and gentlemen. I love him so much. He is, by my estimations, a superhero. I, I really think. Um, no, not really. But Hassan Kim is a guy that the Padres brought in. And I wrote about this for Just Baseball. You guys can go check out the article. I was very silly and messing around a lot in the article, like I often do with much of my writing. But you can check out the article where I basically talk about both his ability and what it could mean for C.J. Abrams going forward. And what I think needs to be mentioned about Hassan Kim that not a lot of people don't know but still needs to be emphasized is Hassan Kim when it comes to his defense He's one of the better defensive shortstop, better defensive infielders in baseball right now, especially in the National League, which is what's so encouraging about him. Another tweet from Colby Olson that I cited in the article. Carlos Correa had 20 defensive runs saved last year, which led all non-catchers. Hassan Kim had nine defensive runs saved at shortstop in a fifth of the playing time that Correa did, 
With Tatis out, Kim will be playing every day and could challenge Andleton Simmons for the most defensive runs in a season. Simmons had 41 defensive runs saved in 2019. Now, let me be very, 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 very clear. I'm not necessarily expecting that Hassan Kim is the next Andleton Simmons. Andleton Simmons is, by a lot of people, they think what like the best defensive player ever, some people might say. like Unfortunately, his bat never panned out, so he's not going to be a Hall of Famer or anything like that, but... And he's, like, his bat really didn't pan out. He had, like, one season with the Angels where he was able to, like, walk a decent amount and hit at least for average. But other than that, Anderson Simmons, not the best player. Uh, which is a shame because the defense was so great. But I'm not necessarily expecting that from Hassan Kim. But what I do like is so far in the early going of the season, the Padres have been basically airless. They actually are in the record. I'm not sure if they broke the record uh, with last night. I don't think they made an error last night. Let me actually check. I didn't see anything, but... Did we make an error against the Atlanta? Let me see real quick. Hold on, guys. Give me one second. No, still no errors against Atlanta. And no errors against Cincy. So, yeah, I'm very curious. Now, I will say with that errorless thing, the throw to the Padres first baseman from Manny Machado in Friday's game, that was very the one that he was failed to scoop. That was like one of those that doesn't go down as an error, but maybe probably should have gone down as an error. So that's just one thing to keep in mind is that errors don't necessarily tell the full story with defensive viability and whatnot, because say if you're a shortstop, yeah, you didn't make the error, but you also were not fast enough to even get to the ball to make a play on it. You know what I'm saying? So it's not the full story. And I emphasized this a lot last year with Tatis, where I thought that the Fernando Tati five, right? The nickname for, for him getting errors and whatnot, that I thought that that was a little bit over the line and people were just being ridiculous. But nonetheless, that's basically just proves that the Padres defense has been excellent this year. Um, basically on all fronts. And before we talk a little bit more about that and a little bit more about Hassan Kim and the rest of the article, guys, let me first talk to you about something that is also as reliable, maybe maybe even more reliable than the Padres defense, guys. That is Rock Auto, ladies and gentlemen. The only, the only, only thing that you should be using to go get your car stuff checked out, man. And I don't know much about cars, but Rock Auto, they have you covered with everything thanks to it being online and in your pocket with your smartphone and all that. You can save time and money. Why choose to spend up to 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? For example, for example, for example, example. That should be a word, though. Anyway, for example, guys, the Honda Odyssey fuel pump, it costs $353 from a chain store while it is only $216. For Mock Auto. Does that sound good? Yeah. It sounds real good, doesn't it? Exactly. I don't know how you can resist that. Rock Auto has been a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So go check out their easy to use catalog. They have literally everything that you could possibly need for your car right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck at locked at rockauto.com. <laughs> uh, be sure to write locked on in their how'd you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Ah, ah, feels good, feels good. Anyway, guys, let's talk a little bit more about Hassan Kim. So the Padres, with their d defense so far, has been awesome, and I mentioned that C.J. Abrams has been pretty good too, and he rates as a potentially really good defender. And I think that's what's so fun, and I wrote about the article about this that with that, one of the, the things about Hassan Kim that's so interesting is that the Padres, even though Tatis is out, and even though I do think that his defensive 
lackluster defensive ability. Got a little bit overstated. I don't think this was Jeter or anything like that. I don't think that this was Glaber Torres or anything like that, just to roast the Yankees a little bit. I do think that it is worth noting that the Padres basically every day have the opportunity to have plus defenders in the infield, which I like, with the exception of the current player who plays first base, which I know he's been good for the most part this year so far, but let's just go based on past, you know, acumen and reputation and whatnot. He's not necessarily the best defender, one of the lowest defensive ratings among first basemen that will have passed for years in baseball. But for the Padres, you have Manny Machado, and then whether it is Hassan Kim or whether it is C.J. Abrams at shortstop, those are potentially two-plus defenders. I think Hassan Kim has proven that he's a little bit better than Abrams as of right now. But you have that. You have Jake Cronenworth at second base. They have a really nice infield, I think, low-key. And the Kim-Abrams combo, I think, has a lot to do with that. Now, of course, another thing that I wrote about, Hassan Kim's offense. He was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty, what's the word? Hmm. Uh, yeah, not very good last year when it came to the Padres' um, offense. Last year, he hit a measly, ooh, what the heck? Oh, I just saw a report on my phone that said Pacers interested in Brunson. And I thought it said Padres because those are two very similar team names when you look at it. I said Padres interested. Oh, I might have to have a live, so I freaked out a second there. Um, Hassan Kim slashed 202, 270, 352 with eight home runs over 298 plate appearances. His, his WRC plus was well below the average 100 line. He wasn't very good. But, but, and here's one of the things I talked about preseason with the Padres a lot, if you've been listening to the podcast, is that... A lot of the reasons that the Padres fell off last year is that guys didn't just decline a little bit. They didn't go from, say, being 120, 130 WRC plus guys to 110. No, it was that you had, who I mentioned earlier, the villain of the pod. And my friend texted me, maybe Tommy Pham. And please, guys, let me know in the comments. Does Tommy Pham have to be? He who must not be named now as well? Is he someone that we might have to censor the name of? I don't know. Just let me know in the comments. I think if he has a, a great series, that we should do that. That will make it a new bit for Tommy Fan because he was so bad for the Padres that if he rakes against us in his first series, maybe we'll have to do that. But anyway, that you had Fam, who was one of the worst in baseball with runners in scoring position. You had Jake Cronenworth, who stopped kind of lying the ball when you really needed them to. You had Tatis getting hurt. You had Machado was consistent and great. You had guys like Blake Snell and you Darvish and... Chris Paddock, everyone getting injured and then just not performing okay. All they needed was average output. What I'm looking for Hassan Kim is average output. And I talked about this the preseason. If he can just be a guy that hits, essentially what he's doing now, by the way. Now, his hard hit rate stuff isn't all that great. You know what I'm saying? This isn't something that I, I think he's been revolutionary. But he's not falling in uh, behind in counts all that often compared to last year. He doesn't look like... The speed, the velocity is killing him as much as it was last year. And more importantly is that he's drawing walks. 238, 360 uh, in terms of batting average and on base. Of course, he's not hitting the ball hard, like I said. Only a 333 slugging uh, percentage so far. No home runs. Does have a triple um, and does have a stolen base, which is nice. But if he's able to be just a little bit of that, if he can hit 240, maybe 330 on base, maybe 340 on base, if you combine that with his defense... That's a hell of a player to have. An absolute hell of a player to have. And, like I mentioned, the fact that they basically could have an awesome platoon when it comes to the Padres if you have a Kim or Abrams, or even maybe both of them, right? We've seen, we saw a couple times that they played uh, Abrams and Hassan Kim, and Hassan Kim has actually been better 
offensively so far. Abram's struggling a little bit, although, you know, not I'm not freaking out about it. The kid's 21 years old. Like, what do we want, right? If Hassan Kim can get a little bit better at driving the ball more, but even if he's just your batting average guy who can get you some hits and maybe draw some walks and then play an incredible, incredible defense, which he has so far this year, guys, that's a big, big plus for the team. And then there's the domino effect, which I wrote about in the article. Now, some people may say this is sacrilegious. Some people may get mad at me for saying this, but bottom line is this is how I view baseball teams. It opens up the possibility for managing your roster. There's more depth, and when you have more depth, it means you can move more pieces. C.J. Abrams is likely not going anywhere. The Padres are very high on him. I'm very high on him. He's been called Trey Turner before, which is awesome, which is exciting. I love that. And most importantly, um, Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to be back at some point. So... So, so, with the factor that you're probably not moving the Padres' first baseman anywhere, unless he goes nuclear, and he's hitting 300, he's got that, th like, basically what he did with Kansas City his last year before he signed with the Padres. If he does that, and then maybe you can convince a team, hey, we'll give you Campizano and the Padres' first baseman, we'll send him over, maybe throw in a reliever like uh, Pierce Johnson, Stephen Wilson, someone like that, someone like that, and then you send us back... I don't know, let's say the Cubs, Jason Hayward, we'll take that on or whatever. Unless you get that for some reason, then he's going to be the first baseman for the most part, so you can't just make Cronenworth the everyday first baseman, which means that you can't play Hassan Kim and Abrams or Tatis and Abrams or Tatis and Kim every day, which would be great, but unfortunately you're probably not going to be able to do that. He's blocking the first baseman currently for the Padres, them, their ability to do that. But if Hassan Kim is playing well, and the Padres are also playing well, and they say, you know what? Abrams, let's say also that Abrams is doing pretty well too. You have Tatis come back at a relatively okay rate. I did hear during the, the Sunday Night Baseball for ESPN that apparently they're saying like early July. So that's a little bit later. So we're going to have to see how that pans out. But say he comes back. The Padres are playing well and Hassan Kim has developed into just a defensive specialist who can draw walks and get you some base hits every now and then. That opens the possibility for maneuvering the roster and making a trade. Not saying I want them to trade Hassan Kim. Let me be very, very clear. I'm not saying I want them to. But when you look at the rest of the team, you look at Jerickson Profar, right? Yes, he has played well so far. He has three home runs on the season. That's really fun and exciting. I actually thought he was going to hit another one the other day. Um, but still, with the amount of money owed to him and the contract, he's probably not a guy people are going to be seeking out. Can you potentially trade him? Yes. But you're not going to get that much of a t return. And if the Padres are going to be going for it, I think they're going to want a decent return instead of just shedding salary and kind of try to move some weight that they don't like, not to mention Jerickson Provar is probably the starting left fielder uh, for the most part, then the Hassan Kim thing could make sense. Um, I also made a little bit of a joke in there about how the Will Myers trade is actually confirmed a good trade that they ended up giving up Trey Turner because they said, hey, C.J. Abrams, we'll just draft him to become Trey Turner in the future. So why would you keep two Trey Turners? You might as well try and get something for one of them, right? Uh, of course, I'm being facetious, guys. But yeah, I think that um, Hassan Kim, when you take into account that it was just his first year and coming over from the KBO, still trying to catch up to Major League Pitching, it happens sometimes, right? Like this isn't, it's okay. And he had really inconsistent playing time. And I think with Bob Melvin at the helm and just with overall, hopefully a better coaching staff, if he can become your average hitter, we know his defense is great. I think it is an underrated low-key storyline of the Padres' year. Storyline number one, obviously, seems to be when is Tatis coming back, all right? Number two is just, is this rotation one of the best? It's possible. It's possible. But for me, I am fascinated to see how Hassan Kim
can do for the Padres. And I liked his base hit yesterday, and I want to see him keep getting more playing time. All right? One of the reasons I actually wasn't dying for the Padres to call up C.J. Abrams was I was kind of like, well, I, I don't mind the idea of Hassan Kim just being the everyday shortstop. I was like, I kind of like that. Like, Let's just play it out for three months and see how he hits. Get a little bit more, this is your job every day type of sample size, and then we can figure out where to go from there. That's just me. I could be wrong. Uh, Mackenzie Gore, I was just a, a little bit of a separate uh, situation for him. That's why I was rooting for him to get called up. But nevertheless, guys, that is basically my take on Hassan Kim. I'm very excited for him. Hopefully he's in the lineup again tonight because I want to keep seeing him have some potential and what have you in this Padres offense. Hopefully we get a home run from Luke Voigt tonight off of this pitcher from the Reds I have not heard of. He is due. A lot of guys are due. Even Will Myers is kind of due. Will Myers, wake up, my man. I know I'm not expecting too much from you, but come on, man. We need you. We need you real bad. Um, but yeah, that about does it for today's episode, guys. In terms of the future of the podcast, going to be doing a lineup comparison for the Padres. Teased it a little bit earlier. Uh, comparing their lineup to the rest of the National League West and how I think that they're going to pan out. Going to be talking about that. Also going to be doing a crossover with Locked On Reds host Jeff Carr. That should be a whole lot of fun. And probably doing some previews of this upcoming Dodgers series, which is unfortunately, you know, not a team that the rivalry seems to have died down uh, quite a bit when it comes to the Dodgers versus the Padres. But nonetheless, it is going to be exciting to play those pesky, pesky Dodgers and their newly acquired Freddie Freeman. That's basically it, guys. Basically it. Go check out Locked On MLB with Paul Francis Sullivan, but please call him Sully. He takes you on a road trip through past and present baseball. It's really good. Go check that out. And with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever your podcast from, including YouTube, Lockdown Padres, and go follow me at Javapeno on Twitter, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. I am so bad at pointing at the thing. You go over here. Hold on. You go over here and down. There we go. That's how I do it. Okay, everybody. If you want to see me acting like a fool on YouTube, please go check that out. And then at LO underscore Padres for the show account and live tweets. Until next time, stay safe. And of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.